So I have the privilege of reading the scriptures with you. We're into 1 Thessalonians 3 and you have the privilege of having a break from my voice tonight as you've heard from, from me the last five weekends and tonight we are blessed to be able to hear from one of our elders, Lionel, who will be sharing from this chapter, 1 Thessalonians 3 and uh, I'm reading from verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians 3. Now if you've got the U version app, I should say, um, you can pull that out and you'll find all the notes and the Bible reading within that app as well. That's the U version app. If you search events, Access Church, you'll find all the notes in there. 1 Thessalonians 3 says this, Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we were destined for such troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come and they did as you well know. That is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you remain strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. May God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. And just like every chapter in this book, the last verse finishes with reference to the coming of Christ. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Thanks, Jono. Welcome to church. Just thinking of a little chorus used to sing, this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And today we come and we can say, Lord, we are so thankful that we can glorify your holy name. And so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 3, an interesting chapter. And as I was thinking about it, I had so much stuff I wanted to add and I've got to leave out so much stuff. But I read once of a man who moved into a retirement village and then I read how his mother, who was in her late 90s, moved into the village so she could look after him. I was thinking about, have you ever had a baby come into your life? They control everything and, they nev- and you never stop looking after them. And sometimes the older they get, the more care they need. So you never quite 
finish with them. Your whole life is invested in these children and often we see that your children are the result of the care you have given them. And we know that they take a lot of time and a lot of effort. Paul had just been instrumental in giving birth to a young church in Thessalonica. He'd only been there a few weeks before he had to leave. Now he's a long way off in Athens. And his heart is heavy as he is wondering what on earth is happening with the little church, as any parent would be. He knows they've had a pretty rough beginning. He knows that they have been uh, corrected in some of their, uh, the attitudes they've carried. He knows they've been corrected in some of the things they have done. He knows now that they are in the midst of persecution. And unbeknown to Paul, they are now a thriving church family. How can this be? And I think that little church in Thessalonica have learned a very basic principle, and it is this. Selflessness is the key to good spiritual health. Selflessness is the key to good spiritual health. Over these past weeks, I don't know how many times I've read 1 Thessalonians 3, but I have found it been a good exercise to read the whole of 1 Thessalonians on a regular basis. And every time I read it, there's something new I glean from it. And I'd encourage you, we've still got a few more weeks in Thessalonians, and I'd encourage you to take the time even from now and at least once a week read the whole chapters, the five chapters, and see what you can discover. I think we all know very well that we are living at a time when COVID-19 uh, is bringing out the best and also the worst in people. Every day we read or hear of people demanding their rights and being able to do exactly what they want to do. And I can't help but think of how it reminds me of the time in the judges when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And so as a result of that, we live in a world and a country today, we see a lot of selfish people who have no consideration for others, but are only concerned with about what I can do for me, because I am number one. And so even when we come to church, every one of us has a choice to make. Either we can be selfless or we can be selfish. And so often the choice we make will have a massive determination on who or what we become. And so in this message today, I want to share about how we care for others. How we care for others. I want to share with us about how we develop the gift of encouragement and also about how we can invest in other people. It's not looking inward today, it's looking out. 
I think one of the books I read a long time ago is this little book here, Encouragement, the Key to Caring. And uh, this has been a great little book, and I've read it quite a few times, especially one particular passage, because I think that's the key. If we are going to be genuine carers, encouragement is the key, written by Larry Crabb. And, and Larry Cab, Crabb was writing in the book. He said, I was elected president of the, uh, the junior school in my high school. And he said, on this particular occasion, the principal invited me up onto the stage to be inducted into my role. And Larry said, I got up there and the, the principal read through things that I had to say. And then it was over to me. And he said, it was a total mess up because he said, I have a massive stuttering problem. And Larry Crabb said, when he finished the stage, he's, the principal was embarrassed, the teachers were embarrassed. And Larry Crabb said, I said to myself then, don't do this again. And then he wrote how it was only a, a week or so later that in his church, they made it a practice of asking the young people in their church to come up and, and lead in prayer. And this particular day, Larry says, I was invited up to pray. And I got up to pray and he said, everything went haywire. And he said, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. I couldn't pray what I wanted to say. I mucked up my theology. And he said, I only, the only time the spirit led was when I said, amen. And, and Larry said, I was there. And as he said, I left the stage, I said, never again put myself in a position where I can embarrass myself. And he said, when this service is over, I'm going to leave the church and that's it. And he said, the service concluded and he was heading out the door and he felt a hand on his shoulder. And Larry says... I thought to myself, listen to what they got to say and then get out of here because it's not going to be nice. And I said, here it comes. And this old man put his hand on his shoulder, <coughs> cleared his throat, and he said, Larry, whatever you do for the Lord, I'm going to back you 1,000%. And then he walked away. And to this day, Larry Crabb says, an old man by the name of Jin Dunbar is the key why he's in ministry. And we need to grip today the power of words and the power of encouragement. And I don't care who we are or what we have been through, every one of us needs an encourager Somebody who sometimes might just come and put a hand on your shoulder and say, you know, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Can't do it now because of COVID. <laughs> and so never, ever misunderstand the power of encouragement. And I want you to think about that tonight. And so my question to you and my challenge to you today is this. How will you speak into the life of someone this week? 
We all meet people. How will you speak into the life of someone this week and make a difference? But the key question I want to leave with you is, will you do it? The number of times we think, I could have, but I didn't. And I want to be those who do. We all need encouragement. So often I find we are good at letting people know their faults. Very different to be somebody who encourages. When things get tough, and I think things get tough in life so often, and there are times that you want to quit on ministry. I've often said if it wasn't for people, being a pastor would be a great job. <laughs> but we, we want to be having people in tough times who stand with us, who encourage us. We want to be thankful that there are times in our life when God just has somebody there to say, how are you doing? I just want to be praising God for who you are. We need to learn to do it. And so what can I learn from 1 Thessalonians 3? What can we do to build a healthy church? What can we do to build a healthy church? God used Paul as an encourager to the church in Thessalonica. Remember, he'd only been there three weeks. Then he was run out of town. But there was something about this man, Paul, that made an, made an indelible impression into the lives of that church that they knew they were on the right track and they stuck with it. Paul was not only concerned about their safety, he was concerned about their spiritual growth. And now he's a long way away. How can we give encouragement? The first thing I want to mention is this, we can be concerned. We can be concerned. Who are you concerned about? Is there someone that you might be even thinking as I speak to you today that you might say, I would love to speak into that person's life. I would love to just encourage that person. You know, it, it is just a special privilege we have. Paul knew that these Christians were being tempted, they're being persecuted, and he knew that he was preparing them for when that happened. Over three weeks, he did a good job. He prayed that they wouldn't fall away. And it was literally driving Paul crazy that he couldn't be there with them. Have you ever been in that experience where you have somebody you want to be with? You can give encouragement by doing something. You know, it's not just good enough to be concerned. What are you going to do about it? You know, Paul couldn't go and see them, but he sent Timothy. I can just see Paul sitting in his office saying, I'll send him a text. <laughs> oh, gosh, I haven't got a phone. I'll email him. That'll do. That'll do. Those days he couldn't even send it in the post box. And so what he did, he whacked a stamp on Timothy and sent him off. 
And Timothy went down to see what was happening in the church. I don't know how long it took to go. I don't know how long it took to come back. But all the time, Paul was back in Athens praying and burdened for these people. You can give encouragement by telling them. You know, I often say to people, if you're praying for someone, that's really, really good. But wouldn't it be nice if you'd been praying for someone this morning, just pick up the phone and say, hey, I've just been praying for you this morning. I want to know I love you. Wouldn't that make a difference? And I think we can do that to encourage one another in our faith. Or we pray and get concerned about people, but we don't often tell them, telling them. One man said this to a friend, if I have a problem, I will come and see you. If I have a praise, I will tell everybody. (laughs) Hey, that's a good attitude. If I've got a problem, I'll come see you. But if I've got praise, I'm going to tell everybody what a beautiful person this is. You know, wouldn't it be great if we knew that we're going to go out and we're going to talk about people and tell people what a great person that person is? Yeah, that is encouragement, my friends. You can give encouragement by praying for people. The greatest thing you can ever do for someone is to pray. Paul prayed. And I was just thinking about this even just yesterday as I was going through a message again. There are three things that Paul prayed that I think we could grasp and and apply that to our own life in our prayer meetings, in our personal prayer life, and see what a difference it makes. He prayed in verse 2 that their faith might mature. You know, I often think at times, if there weren't sick people in the church, it wouldn't have much to pray about. But I wonder how many times we pray for people that their faith might mature. Lord, I want you just to take this person and I want you just to grow them in you. Lord, make them like you. That's what he prayed for his church. He prayed that their love for others would grow. Hey, guys, I want to tell you, it's not about you. It's about you going out to others. I pray that your love would grow. And as we pray for each other, we pray that that your faith might mature. And as that happens, that your love for others will grow and you want to go out to them. Wow. And he prayed, he prayed, that their lives would grow in holiness. Lord, I pray that you'll bring this person to maturity. I pray that they will have a real love for other people and Lord, make them blameless at the coming of Jesus so that when they're there, I'll be able to welcome them into my home with open arms. You know, Paul put in a value system so vital And I think it's a basic philosophy we could grasp to speak into the lives of people. And so I looked at principles I read from this chapter. And I think they are key principles to building discipleship. Now, the first part I talked about there was 
praying for individuals, but now he's building discipleships. Do you know it's not easy to provide all the spiritual care a new Christian needs? You, know, you get a church the size of Axis and goodness gracious me, we don't know what goes on in half the lives of people. But we can pray for them. We can care for them. But Paul was putting stuff in practice to help the church. A new Christian needs a lot of tender loving care. They need a lot of guidance. They need a lot of support. They need other Christians just to be with them, to, to show them the way, to encourage them. And I see as Paul is talking to them, he says in chapter 3, 1 to 5 and 10, which is on your screen, the caregiver's selfless love. You know something? As a, as a leader, as a pastor, think about this. Your people will become what you are. You, know, you are a model for people whether you like it or not. And if you show an encouraging spirit, and if you show a spirit that is prepared to, to give yourself away, I will guarantee you that you will find a people and a church who also want to give themselves away because they have learned the model. And that's a challenge for us. Genuine care is want to be with people. Selfless love can be, can be seen in, the passion, in our passion for the way we build others up. And I really believe that if there's no passion for people you love and care about, I'm not going to see much spiritual growth. And so we need to learn to be carers and encourage people as they grow. So that's our responsibility as leaders. In verses 6 to 9, I see the care receiver's sound response. What did Timothy have to say when he returned? You know, Paul, they're doing better without you than they were with you. Well, I'm not quite sure that's what he said. But there was something special happening in the place. The church was alive. It was vibrant. They were going out. Who cares that their problems? We are going to make a difference in our community. And they went because they'd learnt from Paul. Their love for Paul and his co-workers was still strong and unchanged. <clears throat> in verse 6, it says, They warmly remembered the blessed time of fellowship and instruction that you had with us, and they were earnestly waiting for your return. Paul, we loved what you did when you were here. We just were blessed to sit at your ministry. We are praying for you, and we know you're praying for us. But, oh, Paul, we want you to come back so we can sit at your feet and learn again. There's a hunger. There's a desire to be the people God wants them to be. So the, the giver had responsibility. The receiver had responsibility. And praise God, the Holy Spirit was at work 
transforming the lives. Paul did his bit, the people did their bit, but the Spirit of God came to work. You know, Paul says, when the Spirit comes to work, the first thing he will do is direct your paths. You know, we need to be walking so closely with the Lord that we can know without any shadow of a doubt that our God goes before us. And Lord, we are walking in your footsteps. And I thank God that God has the ability to bring the right people into our lives at the right time. The Lord is, secondly, the Lord is not only directing our paths, but he's developing our love. I wonder how your love quotient is growing. I wonder, is your faith in God alive and active or sterile? I wonder, is there a fire burning up within you that says, hey, let's go and do it? I often tell the story about an old um, atheist man who lived across the road from the church. And he, you know, and he hated the church. He always made rude comments about the people who were there. One day the church was burning down. And the old guy from across the road was there with buckets throwing water on the fire. And the minister stopped him and said, what are you doing that for? And the old guy said, never seen the church on fire before. <laughs> and, I, and I pray that we might be people who the people around us will see that there is a fire burning within us. We want it to go out and the Lord will make a difference. And, th and the third thing here, the Lord is not only directing our paths, developing our love, but he's determining our future. And I think of this message where, you know, like John, I mentioned at the end of every chapter, Paul makes reference to the second coming of Jesus. And he says, you know, God's doing a great work in you guys. I'm so proud of you. But Lord, keep you strong. Keep you faithful. Keep you looking to what God is going to do and be the person God wants you to be. Grow in your faith. Well, what does this mean for me? It's good to hear it, isn't it? But what does it mean for us? Remember I said encouragement, the key to caring? I got a suggestion that I'm going to leave with you tonight, today. I'm not quite sure where I am, but we're at church. But I want you to do something. Go, go down to a cheap shop and you can buy cards. That look, you know, you can get cards for about a dollar. They're not too bad. And you can buy a card and, you know, they're blank on the inside. And then if you've got a borrow, you can write a message in there to somebody that you really care about. And I just felt... Oh, I'm going to write to so-and-so and I want to tell them that I appreciate them and just care for them and, and I want to support them in their ministry. I want to send them a card and say, hey, you are a great person. And you get that and then you, then you get an envelope, usually you get one of them with the card and you put a stamp on it, put the name on it and drop it in a little red box and off it goes. At a very second best, a very, very, very second best, Send them a text. <laughs> Third best. You know, 
You know something? Receiving a card will speak more into people's lives than you ever realise. And I'm going to really challenge you today, and my challenge is this. I would love you in this month of October to at least three people go buy a card, put it in the mail, send it to them, tell them you appreciate them, and leave it with them. Do I know this works? Absolutely. Middle of last year, when uh, one of our granddaughters was going through some pretty severe bullying at her school, school of about 1,600 children or youths, and we were thrilled to know that the deputy principal of that school sought out our granddaughter every day just to ask her, how are you doing today? Hey, that's a pretty big commitment. And we were so thankful for that. And Glenn chose to send this lady a thank you letter. And so Glenn got a card, one of the card like that, put an envelope, put it in the post box, posted it off, and sent it to this lady as telling her how much we appreciated what she had been doing for our granddaughter. Within the week, our, our, our daughter had a phone call from the deputy principal saying, is this your mum? Yep. Sandy said, I went back to the school six months later at the end of last year and that card was still on her notice board. She said, it means that much to me. Church, I don't care whether you're here in Axis, I don't care whether you're Sydney or Melbourne, I don't care where you're watching this from. Go buy a card and speak into somebody's life because we have the ability of the gift of encouragement and we can make a difference in people's lives. And the challenge I want to leave with you today, will you do it? Will you allow God to bless you and then bless others through you? And then we will see what God can do. God bless. Thank you.